Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, following uh, yesterday's vote in the UK, Boris Johnson, of course, uh, with a majority government, uh, Jeremy Corbyn is, uh, well, <laughs> uh, yesterday's news, I guess, as far as the Labour Party is concerned. But there are still some huge implications. I mean, you just heard on, the, on our CHML newscast, uh, Boris Johnson, Prime Minister Johnson's uh, comments that, uh, that Brexit's going to move forward and uh, there's absolutely no more debate about that. Uh, there are still some obstacles that need to be overcome here, and some people that are still rather skeptical that uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Joining us to talk about all of this and the uh, ramifications of the election results is Stephen Fielding, professor at the University of Nottingham, an expert on British politics and uh, political history. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could join us today. My pleasure. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the implications, and, and uh, obviously Boris Johnson feeling pretty good about this, and why shouldn't he with the, uh, the results that he got yesterday? Uh, but is Brexit a done deal now, automatically? Well, the first stage of Brexit is is going to be done in January because Britain will leave the European Union. Um, so that, that 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 will be done. That part of it will be done. But um, as everybody said during the election when Boris Johnson kept saying, I'll get Brexit done, that is just the first stage of a very complicated process. So the first thing that needs to be done is is a negotiation as to what is the future relationship of Britain going to be with the rest of the EU. And and that is a very complicated exercise, extracting Britain from all the various um, kind of arrangements that, that, already, that, that, that prevail after so many years of being a member, um, is not a quick and easy job. Uh, he says he'll be able to do it by the end of uh, 2020. Very few people believe that he will. Um, but in a way, him having this big majority and having this great big boost, which was really unexpected. I mean, I think most people thought there would be a, a Boris Johnson government of some sort, even maybe a return to home parliament um, at, at the outer edges. But this kind of majority, it gives him the kind of authority which he can use um, to maybe have more flexibility um, and maybe have things uh, negotiate a bit longer. So we're not quite sure exactly how things are going to go, but um, he has now got the authority to get things done, but but how those things will be in the end, we're not quite sure. Uh, Mel Cap, who is a former British High Commissioner rather, for Canada in, in uh, London, uh, suggesting that it's he says it's going to take eight to ten years for this to happen. Now, that's, that's maybe a little too skeptical, uh, but there are certainly some obstacles <clears throat> to overcome, aren't there? Oh, yes. Um, I mean, so many um, that, that you know the, the details of which would boggle most most minds. I mean, not only is there the um, the negotiation with the future relation with the EU, but of course there is also negotiations with other countries, the future relationship with the United States, um, and that has caused all kinds that caused all kinds of controversy during the election campaign itself, mostly around. Um, what um, the Americans will want in terms of the National Health Service, um, you know, fears that they that, that Americans will want to open up the public the public service health provider to, to private American companies, and you know the Americans play hardball in these kinds of negotiations. And Johnson says he won't be conceding any grounds on that, but you know he can't say that he won't be because he hasn't started those negotiations yet. Well, we can 
give you scripture and verse on that, obviously, Stephen. We've just gone through a very yeah. contentious uh, negotiations with the new NAFTA deal here, which may be ratified now. We're not quite sure. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, what's what's said at a, at a G7 meeting in a handshake, yeah, we'll, we'll cut a deal with you after the election is mm-hmm. one thing. To actually negotiate the details of it, uh, it's a lot more trickier and much more difficult, I would think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and as I say, this, this is um, a very hot topic in Britain. I mean, the National Health Service is probably the most popular institution after the Queen in Britain. And the idea that um, maybe bits of it were going to be sold off to Donald Trump, which is how the Labour Party during the campaign presented it, is deeply, deeply unpopular. So Boris Johnson, you know, he's got his majority. He, he's got some freedom to to sort of take things in the direction that he chooses. But but in these negotiations, he's up against implacable forces. And, you know, we haven't even started talking about China yet. So the, these, the whole process of disentangling Britain from the EU and establishing new relationships with the EU and all these other countries, I mean, it's, I mean, 10 years maybe is a bit long, but it, it's not going to go away uh, anytime soon. Stephen, I'm glad you brought up the health service aspect of this, because it is going to be part of any trade negotiations. Uh, and maybe you could explain to our listeners just how sacrosanct that is. I mean, even the staunchest of conservative governments, Margaret Thatcher or even David Cameron just a few years ago, I mean, they, they would institute things like poll taxes and everything else, but they looked at this and said that's, that's an untouchable. People just w- they would not tolerate anything like this, but it looks like it's going to be on the table, whether they like it or not. Well, they, I mean, the, the National Health Service is, first of all, think the biggest employer in britain so there's a lot of people whose whose who's, uh, whose livelihoods are involved in it and of course with an aging population um there's increasing demand for national health service services so so there's there's, there's an ultimate kind of barrier i think that no government dare cross which is that all treatment has to be free at the point of delivery so that nobody unlike in the united states at least as i understand it you know if you've got if you have a car accident you've got a sign a form but what before a hospital will take you you know you are you are you're given um whatever is needed to be done free of charge now there's different ways of delivering um national health services um so there are in fact some minor private um providers but nobody pays for the for that for that private provision it's all taken care of within the nhs so as i say um the nhs um I mean, in this election that's just passed, there were basically two dominant issues. Uh, one was Brexit, and the other, very close by, was the National Health Service. It is, it is an issue, it is an institution, which, I mean, almost defines um, how the British feel about themselves. And it makes them feel good about themselves, because they feel that it is, it is a good service, although it's been suffering from underfunding for, for a number of years, and everybody's acutely aware of that, including Boris Johnson now. Um, but it's, it also says something about them um, and about, you know, feel, it makes them feel better that they are British. You know, it's, it's kind of become part of the political culture. But it's also an extremely important part of many people's lives, given, as I say, about the ageing population, the fact that we all need a health service um, at many points in our lives. Let's let's talk about the relationship between the EU and 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 the UK now. With the result, I, there's some speculation that well, you know, they they kind of backed off a little bit because they weren't quite sure what the election results were going to be. Obviously, Boris Johnson's back; he's got a majority. He does have a stronger mm-hmm. hand than he did six months ago, of course. 
but uh, there's still some animosity here. And, and I guess the question a lot of people are asking this morning, Stephen, is, uh, is this, I guess the phraseology you use, is this going to be a hard exit or uh, Brexit or a soft Brexit? In other words, is, is there a possibility of a deal, or are they just going to have to say, that's it, we're out of here with nothing? Well, there is a deal. I mean, Boris Johnson negotiated a, a new deal after Theresa May um, stepped down as prime minister uh, with the EU. So his problem was he couldn't get it through the House of Commons yeah. because he didn't have the votes. Now he has the votes. Um, and that, that, that deal itself was not particularly, well, well, aspects of it were mostly what Theresa May tried to get through. Um, but the one aspect which is particularly contentious is about the border with Northern Ireland, that there, there will be checks. Uh, between the rest of Britain and Northern Ireland, because Northern Ireland for trade will be treated as if it's still in the EU for a number of years. right? And that, that was something Johnson said he would never do. Yeah. Um, and, and then he betrayed the, 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 the DUP in Northern Ireland, who have now done very badly in local, in, in, the, in, the, in the elections. So, so that's, it's, a done, it's a done deal. Um, it just needs to pass through the House of Commons, which it will. Um, there is that running sore in Northern Ireland, which could, given the history of Northern Ireland, go in some unfortunate directions. Um, but it's a deal. The exit is, is going to happen. It's, what, it's everything else. It's a future relationship um, with the EU, and how we relate to, to, to it, when, when we finally you know, are completely disentangled um, from it. Because um, Brexit is, is really just saying, right, we've agreed these things going to be a little transition period and that which will give us time to negotiate the future relationship let's talk about one of the other partners uh and and that being scotland uh who of course uh, to go back to the referendum scotland uh voted to stay with the eu they don't they do not want a brexit uh, yeah. Now, with the result yesterday, and of course, uh, you know, First Minister Sturgeon's party actually did quite well with the, the number of seats that they attained yeah. in this parliament. Uh, I'm seeing some reporting right now from Edinburgh that's suggesting that there are rumblings now that they may seek another independence referendum, simply saying, if you guys are out, then we don't want to be part of the UK anymore. Uh, now, I understand they have to get parliamentary permission to do that, but it looks like this could be a rather acrimonious relationship. Oh, it will become more acrimonious because. Um Boris Johnson is not going to give the SNP their second referendum. I think uh, that, 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 that will take... I mean, I, I, cannot, I cannot see how he will do that. Because in Scotland, uh, the Conservatives did relatively well um, in, this, in this election because not everyone in Scotland wants, to be, wants independence. And so the Conservatives have strongly identified themselves as the party that says no to independence, whereas, of course, the SNP have done rather well as being the party that says yes. Um, and, and I just don't see Boris Johnson conceding that because, um, I mean, as a unionist, um, he's, he's not going to do that. Uh, but, but also it's, it's to his advantage, really, to, to some extent, to keep this one, this issue rumbling on uh, because it's, as I tell you, it, it wins him some seats in Scotland, which he otherwise might not have. But it also creates uh, a difficulty for the Labour Party um, which may or may not be very important at the moment, given the state of which it's fallen. But it's, it's an issue which makes, um, that they can always kind of bring in, like they did in this election, like they did in the 2015 election and the 2017 election, that if Labour is ever, ever going to form a government, it will be with the SNP, and it will be a kind of coalition of chaos. So it's something which, I mean, Johnson wants Scotland to remain in the United Kingdom for, you know, He's Prime Minister. It is the United Kingdom. But it's also politically advantageous to him as a Conservative. Um, 
So they're not going to get that second referendum, which, to be honest, I think probably suits the SNP as well, because it gives them an issue around which to mobilise. It gives them a resentment um, upon which to appeal to people in Scotland. And every time something goes wrong in Scotland, and they, they are the government in Scotland, they can blame Westminster. And that's what they do. So um, although the ultimate goal of the SNP is, of course, independence, this is giving them, you know, it's basically almost giving them their cake and letting them eat it. And it's it's just a card they can play anytime they want. I mean, we see that you know there's a talk about a you know, separation of the province of Alberta here in Canada right now because they're not happy with the federal government. It happens. It's a card they play, and I guess you have to kind of give them the, a little bit of wiggle room. I got to ask you. We got a few minutes left here. What about the Labour Party now? Uh, this is a party that was, uh, well, obviously post uh, Tony Blair decided that they wanted to move far to the left again. Uh, Corbyn mm. was actually accused of being a Marxist. And I guess there are certain elements of his platform that look that way. Uh, do they try to move back to the center? How do they do? They have to reinvent themselves at this stage, Stephen. Well, Jeremy Corbyn became Labour leader because Labour had lost two general elections, 2010-2015. And yeah. he promised, he said, if we take a more radical, overtly socialist path, Everything could be sorted. You know, we will, we will win elections. And they kind of nearly did in 2017. I mean, they didn't, but they, they did quite well. And so they, they, people around Corbyn and Corbyn himself and many members believe that they, this is why they went into 2019 with a very, very radical uh, manifesto. They believe that they didn't really lose this election um, because their, pop, their policies are still popular. They, they are literally saying this. Their policies are still popular. And it was Brexit. It was a Brexit election and, you know, Boris Johnson won it because he said he'd get you know, Brexit done. And so what they're saying is that, well, had it not been for Brexit, we'd have won. And so there are people in the Labour Party today who literally think that this is not the defeat that many others see it as because it was Brexit. And once Brexit's done, then we, we, we can win again. So um, there's a lot of denial going on in the Labour Party at the moment. And Jeremy Corbyn says he'll stand down before the next election, but that's in five years. And a lot can happen in that period of time. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there are other voices uh, that would like to see the party move back to the same way that, uh, that Tony Blair had them some time ago, uh, which is more of a centrist party, obviously. Uh, is, is there an appetite for that? Not to the extent of Tony Blair and, and, and that kind of sort of centre-left politics. Um, even, even you know, the most mainstream Labour figure really is much further to the left of Tony Blair uh, now. But, but there, is, there are people who think things went too far. Um, the, the, and also the party's association through Jeremy Corbyn with anti-Semitism um, and his history of supporting terrorists and all that kind of thing, which went, really, went down very, very badly. Um, with, with certain parts of the electorate, that, that there needs to be some kind of a clean break, but that some of the policies that Labour offered the people were actually popular, um, taking railways into, into, back, back into state hands and making sure they actually serve the interests of consumers, not shareholders. That was really popular. But the problem was that voters looked at Jeremy Corbyn, um, saw his record, and didn't believe he would be able to deliver those popular policies. So... Whoever manages to succeed Corbyn um, will need to kind of reconfigure what the party stands for. But it will still be much further to the left of Tony Blair. But that's because British politics is slowly nudging away from that, that kind of um, 
kind of politi- politics. Even even Boris Johnson is talking about the need to put more money into the NHS to, you know, put money into creating greater infrastructure, more railways, more this, more that. Government should do more. Um, because after 10 years of austerity, Britain is suffering. The election's over. Boris Johnson's got his majority. He's going to move ahead with Brexit. But as as you have already articulated, uh, there are still some 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 ruffled feathers. There's, there's always this this healing process that has to happen after a general election, and, and promises are made, and and people sometimes mm-hmm. have expectations. Is Boris Johnson a healer? Well, it's interesting uh, what he did say um, in the early morning um, to to his own supporters, which was he realizes. I mean, his victory is partly based on people that would normally vote Labour kind of lending him their vote because of Brexit and because of their, their complete dismay about Jeremy Corbyn. And he, he realises that. He actually said that. And he has an opportunity to to ensure that once Brexit is kind of done, as it were, that he will kind of bring extra spending, this the infrastructure, um, the transport links, to those parts of the country which have voted for the Conservative Party for the first time, you know, since the First World War in some cases, that if he doesn't do things to heal the country, to reduce the inequalities and, and, and the division within Britain, that he's not going to win the next election or he's going to lose all those seats that he's just won from Labour. So even if it's only because it's in his own political interest, there will be some kind of healing going on. Uh, fascinating uh, and uh, history-making events, of course, over the last 24 hours in the UK. Stephen, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for your time and for your perspective on this today. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Great talking with you. Stephen Fielding, of course, from the University of Nottingham. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.